welcome to the At Ramsey Heights podcast, your source for all of our audio messages at Ramsey Heights Baptist Church in Batesville, Arkansas. This is Pastor Brian Coates, and I hope this encouragement from God's Word connects with you and helps guide you through your next steps on your journey with God. Enjoy today's message. Well, if you've got your Bibles with you, we're going to be in John chapter 1 again. John chapter 1. One verse today, so we're getting out of here early. Not not really. Not really. We're only going to do one verse. One verse today. Uh, so as you turn there, let me show you this. This uh, this is really important. This is a... Uh, th- this is a... Uh, this is a suitcase. Uh, most specifically, this is my suitcase. I've probably had this for like 25 years. And um, my wife asked me a while back, she got a new suitcase. And when I say she got a new suitcase, it's, um, I almost brought it, but I couldn't fit it in the truck. It was too heavy. Uh, but she, she said, don't you need a new suitcase? That one's pretty worn out. And I'm like, no, this, one, this one's fine. There's, there's nothing wrong with this particular suitcase. It, um, it's been with me for a long time. Like I said, uh, probably close to 25 years. Um, it's traveled with me to or through 27 states. It's traveled with me when I've traveled to five other countries. So I'm pretty sure this one's this one's good. Now there is one problem, however, with this suitcase. Um, this fits all of my shoes, fits all of my clothes, all of my socks, all of that kind of stuff. But when I travel. It doesn't fit everything I carry. Because everybody knows when you travel, uh, you, like, I don't know about y'all, Jessica and I, we're, um, we're poor. And, and we picked, the, like, the worst hotel in the city to stay at. And so when I travel, I always take with me, I always take with me my own personal pillow. Because there's nothing sleeps good in a strange, uncomfortable bed like your own pillow. And uh, that doesn't really fit. But the bigger problem is that I don't sleep with one pillow. I sleep with uh, three pillows. And they all... They all travel with me when I go, and you guys get a picture of what Jessica's life is like sleeping in a bed with me and three pillows. Uh, but there's a bigger problem than that is I don't just sleep with three pillows. I'm 34 years old, and I have a blankie, and it... Uh, uh, don't laugh at me. Y'all knew I was weird before this. Uh, I, I curl, my wife calls it the burrito. I curl up in this blanket and like I get in there and I snug down. I don't even sleep under there. So all that stuff has to go with me and it, and it doesn't, it doesn't quite fit. And the reason for that is this, the suitcase was not made to carry all of that stuff. The suitcase is very good for what it's at, which is, which is carrying clothes and shoes and, and whatever other stuff we might carry. It's not made to carry the whole bed with you. I also, in this suitcase, I don't put anything valuable in here. Like, you'll never see me strolling down the street with $50,000 in a suitcase. Uh, that's not going to happen. I don't put anything breakable in here because it's not made for that. And the point I'm trying to get at is this suitcase is good for what it's made for. It's not good for what it's not made for. Does that make sense to y'all? And you would be so shocked if you saw me and I'm traveling here in a few weeks. We're going to get away. Hey, Brian, what do you have in your suitcase? And I start looking. Oh, I got two pairs of shoes. I got three pairs of jeans. I've got a jacket. I've got my T-shirt. I got all the stuff I need, plus three pillows and my blankie, my camouflage blankie that I take everywhere. You'd be like, really? That's amazing. You put all of that in that suitcase. I'm like, yeah. But you might be more amazed if I told you, well, actually, when we travel, we like to be comfortable. So we actually took our entire blue house, like we we live in a blue house, and, and put it in the suitcase. Would that amaze y'all if I did that? Like, yeah, you put your whole, your whole house in a suitcase. 
Well, in our series that we started last week, we've been talking about superior. And what I want to tell you today and what John is going to tell us today is much more impressive than if I had to fit my whole house and everything I own in this little suitcase. Because what he's going to tell us is that God fits something bigger, greater, more valuable, and something worse off than an old broken suitcase. So if you got your Bibles with you, if you will, open to John 1, if you're already there. We're going to be in 1 John 1, 14. And last week, just to catch you up before we get to 14, John began to introduce Jesus. And I'm telling you, if I ever become like a WWE wrestler, you know, with my big muscles, like I'm going to call John, and John is going to do my introduction. Like this guy knows how to introduce somebody. And he introduced Jesus as the Word. That word in Greek there is logos. And that, that was like the overall understood concept of this great force that holds the world together. John tells us last week that this Logos was God, was with God. He was there in the beginning and everything that was created was created by him. Basically what John's getting at is like, look, Jesus is too big for you to understand. He's that amazing and he's that great. He is the ununderstandable, ununderstandable God. But here's what's amazing. What John's going to tell us today, while well, he spent all week last week trying to tell us that God is ununderstandable, he's going to tell us today that even though we can't understand him, we can't grasp him, we can know him. Listen to what John says in his introduction of Jesus here in verse 14. We're going to camp out in this verse. I'm going to read it about six times. Verse 14, it says, And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as, the, as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Our first take on truth today, if you're taking notes, is God didn't belong in a human body but he put himself in one anyway. So John's going to make a point here, and it kind of goes without saying, like, like, God does not belong in a human being, or in a human body. Like, that, it's better to try to put a blue house in that suitcase than it would be to fit God, to fit the logos in a human body. But he did it anyway. That's what it, John is saying here when he says the word becomes flesh. The word was made flesh. That's a, that's a contradictory statement that you take this logos, this ununderstandable God, this, this God of power and might who created everything and he becomes one of us. He becomes human. He becomes flesh in everything that that means. It's where you take this God and you take the creator and you put him into creation. You take something non-physical and he becomes physical. And you take the perfect and put it in an imperfect human shell. I don't know about you guys. I'm 34 years old, and I've started to get to that age where maybe it's because I hang out with old people all the time, but I'm always like, oh, it stinks getting old. You know, everything hurts all the time, and I'm only 34. And then some of y'all are so encouraging, like, oh, it only gets worse. Thank you for that. Y'all y'all have the gift of encouragement. I appreciate that. But, but if you think about it, think about this, this, this thing that we're in. It is so broken and imperfect. It is literally animated dirt. If we die today, our body becomes dirt tomorrow. It is nothingness that we live in. I love how weak, thinking about this, I love how thinking about how weak the human body is. Like in here, there's all of these organs and you have to have all of them to live. And if anything, even a little small something pierces any one of them, that's the end of you. That's how fragile we are. 
Our bodies have all of these moving parts that are really awesome until you become 34 and then they quit working, right? And some of you know what I'm talking about? Like your, your elbows and your knees and your ankles and your backs. Like, like there's this, this cushion in between your bones and it just slowly wears out and everything hurts all of the time. Uh, like the human body just basically isn't meant to exist. It's very temperature sensitive. If you let our human body get too hot, you'll have a heat stroke. About two or three degrees, you'll get a heat stroke. If you let our human body get too cold by two or three degrees, you'll get hypothermia. We spend our whole lives in this weird balance of consuming energy and expending energy. I go for a run, I have to have a cheeseburger. I don't know if that's how you lose weight, but that's how I've been trying it. Hadn't worked yet, but it, it will. Have faith. Like, like, we, like, expend energy, I'm going to do all of this stuff, and I'm going to put energy back in my body. And if I do that wrong, if something doesn't happen, if I misbalance that, my health will deteriorate. I, I, I never understood this about the human body. You must have salt to live. But if you eat too much salt, you get high blood pressure and it will kill you. Or at least that's what my doctor's been telling me for the past few years. Like, like the human body is not exactly the most awesome thing in the world. And what, uh, what John is saying here is God, the Logos who created everything, the power that created the world, connected with one of these. How amazing is that? Like, it doesn't even make sense. Why? Why would you put God in the human body? It's like taking a gold bar and carrying it in a Walmart sack. Like you guys know what I'm talking about, a gold bar like this big? All y'all have one at your living room, I know you do. A gold bar is 28 pounds of gold. By current uh, gold prices, I looked it up this week, that's about $737,000 per gold bar. You never see somebody just walking down the street with a double Walmart bag of gold bar. Like, like, like that doesn't make sense. We literally make entire armored vehicles to transport things as valuable as gold bars so that they can't be stolen because a gold bar does not belong in a Walmart bag. I have an old truck and a, and a trailer that you can haul tractors and hay on it. You will never see me driving that truck with a $247,000 Lamborghini up on that trailer. It doesn't make sense. You would never put that car up on that trailer. And I just want y'all to know, I was prepared this morning. It was in my notes to make a joke about how Razorbacks were superior to Alabama. We're going to skip that part. No, it's not comparable. It's not compatible. You wouldn't do that. You, you would not do that. You can't, you can't take something that valuable, that awesome, and put it with something that broken. But yet God did. But not only that, not only that, God is incompatible with the human body. See, when we talk about God, we know him as perfect. He's so perfect. He's not only like, oh, that's perfect. Like, he is the standard of perfection. Literally, anything in this world that you come across, if it's not God, it's not perfect. That's how perfect God is. And then you put the logos, you put Jesus into a human body. And an imperfect human body. In other places in the, in the scripture, this word that's uh, translated flesh here is sometimes translated carnal. It doesn't just mean the physical human body. It, it means, means the, the lust of the flesh. It means the things that our bodies want. It means that our bodies broken have ungodly, unholy sexual desires. It means that our bodies can become addicted to substances that kill us with drugs and alcohol. And we just pour these things into our body and we know they're bad for us, but our body just keeps saying, I want more, I want more, I want more. It's so hungry for those things. 
our bodies can become so stressful that or so much stress in our bodies that it will cause us to sin. Like our bodies do that. You ever met anybody gets hangry? You guys know what that is, right? It's when somebody doesn't eat right. When some of y'all, some of y'all laugh and you're like, I'm sitting next to them. <laughs> like, like if you don't eat at the same time, like all of a sudden they're not the same person anymore. Like, oh, I love you. Ten minutes later, we're past lunchtime. Don't talk to me. Like, like our bodies are not meant for a perfect being to be in them. They're incompatible. I, I was thinking of it this way. I've got a picture coming up here. If you travel to Europe with your suitcase full of three pillows and a blankie, if you travel to Europe, this is what a plug-in looks like in Europe. You can't plug, like if you go over there and you take your phone and you take your phone charger, you're going to have to buy an adapter because if you try to plug it into that thing and you succeed, you will literally burn down the hotel. Don't ask me how I know. Um, no, I didn't do that. Like that, that's, that's it. You cannot plug one of our plugs into an outlet in Europe. You cannot take something that is perfect and put it in an imperfect body. You cannot take something that is non-physical and put it in a physical body. You cannot take something that is incompatible and make it compatible. But that's exactly what God did when Jesus came here in the form of man. See, John didn't waste his time, and I hate to say waste his time because there would have been nothing wrong with it if he had have done it. John didn't waste his time starting this off telling us about the Virgin Mary and how Jesus was born. He said, no, there's something bigger here. God, the Word, became flesh. It's amazing. It's incompatible. should not have happened. But God did it. And if God did it, if he did something that amazing and that big, he, he did it for a purpose. I, I like to think that when you see something designed with intentionality, that that means that there's a purpose behind the design. Like you never walk over to Billy's garage like, hey, Billy, what are you doing? He's like, I'm making something. What are you making? I don't know. We're just going to see what happens. Well, it looks pretty cool. What does it do? I, I don't know. I just made it. I'll call you in a couple weeks when I figure it out. And in two weeks, you get this call from Billy. Like, dude, you've got to come over right now. I've got to show you something. I said, like, okay. You run over to Billy's house. And he's, like, he's like, okay, let me show you. So I made this thing. I didn't know what it was for. I didn't know what it did. I didn't know what it was. But here's what I found. You see those black spinny things that are on top? If we actually take it and flip it upside down, those things roll. We'll call them wheels. I didn't know it could do that. It was pretty cool. And then I was, I was looking at that, and I got inside, and there's these little pokey things. I call them buttons, and I started pushing them. And on the front of it, there was this little fans and I thought that was pretty cool well between the wheels and the little fan on the front well I got in it all of a sudden the thing started to move I'm like this is awesome and then all of a sudden it started floating and I'm gonna call it airplane it's pretty cool didn't mean to make it but I did like nobody does it if you design something you design it intentionally and you design it with purpose and so when God designed this plan of, of the logos of the word becoming flesh there was a purpose and John's going to answer that read with me verse 14 again and the word was made flesh and dwelt among us there's the answer. Why, why was the word made flesh? Why did we put God in this incompatible human body? And the answer is to dwell with us. Our next take home truth is God became flesh so that he could be close to you. I once heard it said, I think it's Timothy Atik, I'll try to give him credit, that your view of God determines your response to God. I want to say that again. Your view of God determines your response to God. And what John's trying to do here is give us a proper view of the Logos. Give us a proper view of Jesus. And we're supposed to look at this and go, that's amazing. He was God. He was with God. He was in the beginning. He created everything. There was nothing that was created without him. He became flesh. That's amazing. 
And in that, should that not cause us to respond to the truth that he hits us with next? The truth that he hits us with next is like, look, he did all of this so he could be close to you. So he could be with you, so that he could dwell among you. It didn't say that Jesus did all this so he could sign autographs. So he could blow through town and, and give a speech. What he's talking about here is a long-term setting up of a home among us to be close to us. And if you look at Jesus, if you read the Gospels, it's not, it's not just a list of rules that you should follow. You get a picture of who Jesus was. I, I love just thinking about the life of Jesus. Jesus has walked around for people. He didn't get up and, and preach these hard sermons all the time. He did a few of them. But most of Jesus' life was just spent traveling, looking for people to be around. There's stories of Jesus. He just walks up to somebody's house. He's like, hey, we're going to eat supper tonight. And Jesus walks in and sits at a table and enjoys supper just the way that we would if we ate supper together. And they told stories, and they laughed, and they loved, and they encouraged each other. That's what Jesus did on this earth. Jesus, Jesus, when he was on this earth, celebrated weddings. And he doesn't celebrate weddings like I do. Like, he didn't show up at a wedding and go, hey, congratulations, I can't stay for the reception. I got some things to do. Like, he didn't do that. Like, Jesus goes to weddings and he celebrates love and he celebrates happiness and he celebrates weddings and he stays for the reception. And he enjoys and celebrates with people. That's, that's what Jesus did. Jesus put himself in position time and time again to meet up with someone who was unlovable just sit on a well and wait all afternoon for that one woman who wouldn't come with the rest of the people because she was an outcast just to talk with her to be close to her that's that's what jesus came here to do to take care of everybody and then he puts his power as god on display because he created everything everything in creation responds to him and so you have these stories of when people cry out to him jesus there's a storm and he talks to the storm he's like stop peace be still what are you doing i'm taking a nap there, there's times when jesus walks up to somebody and they have leprosy and they're like jesus can you help me and jesus just touches them he puts his power on display and the leprosy responds and it goes away he puts his power on display for the world to see and it wasn't like he was just doing it for fun jesus could have went out in the desert and been, boom mountain boom ocean and he could have done that all day but he only does this when it's for people to care for people because he loved people and he came here to connect and be available with us one of my favorite stories about jesus is uh this guy comes running up to jesus jesus you got to come quick my daughter she's 12 she's at home she's about to die We're like you got to get there now like there's no time to waste she's about to die please jesus please come save my daughter you can do it i've heard you can do it can you please save my daughter and jesus is like okay okay let's go and so he goes running off and they're running through town and they're going really quick and all the disciples are with him and there's a lot of excitement we got to get to this girl before she passes away jesus has to get there but in the crowd there was a woman and she had her own problem and for 12 years or i forgot how long it was maybe it was a different time for, for many years she'd had a health issue that made her an outcast of society nobody could touch her she couldn't get married she couldn't be loved she just had to stay away from everybody all the time and she's thinking to herself jesus is coming this way if i can just if i can just reach out and touch his robe he can heal me and so here comes Jesus in the middle of all the hubbub and everybody's rushing. Get out of the way. Jesus is coming. We got to get to a house. There's a young girl dying. And as he walks by, she just reaches out from the crowd and just barely touches his sleeve. And Jesus, on the way to a dying girl, on the way to the deathbed, he stops and goes, whoa, wait. Who just touched me? 
all the disciples are like, no, 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 Jesus, we ain't got time for who just touched me. We're in a hurry. This is an ambulance situation. We got to get there. And Jesus is like, no, 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 who just touched me? And listen to this. Jesus took time rushing to a deathbed to stop and make a personal connection with a woman who just had enough faith to reach out and touch his sleeve. That's, that's who our God is. That, that's what he does, is he comes here to connect to us. And the question is, how do we respond to this? How do we respond to the fact that the God of the universe became flesh, became man, to come be available to you because he desires a connection with you that much? Shouldn't that change your life? God is that amazing. And he comes down so low to be with us. That should change us. This tells me there's a creator who created everything. And his favorite creation is you. We're just going to go about our week like normal. Good morning, Bill. How are you doing? Another Monday. Is that how we're going to live our life with that kind of news hanging over us? That the creator of the universe loves you enough to come be personally available to you? See, we got it in our mind that what God is looking for is some kind of an action or religious right. Like, oh, we need to go to church or we need to give money. But that was never the point. He did this because he wanted a personal connection with you. Listen, we spend a lot of time talking about heaven. Heaven's going to be wonderful. I'll see y'all there, most of you, I hope. Uh, Maybe you should be thinking about that this morning. Like, it's going to be awesome. The point was never heaven. God didn't come here and die so you could go to some place and have a house in the hills. That's all biblical, but that wasn't the purpose. The purpose of Jesus coming here was to personally connect with me and you. To be with us. It's amazing. Because what the Bible tells us is that it's impossible. Last week, John pointed to in the beginning, and he, and he points back to creation. And if you go through and read that story, Genesis 1 through 3, you'll understand a lot about life. But most specifically, what you'll see is Adam and Eve, God's most favored creation. Adam and Eve turned their backs on God and ran away from Him. It's called, it's called sin. And because of that, humans have spent their entire existence separated from God. No chance of ever getting to Him. He's too perfect. We cannot even fathom being able to know God personally. But suddenly Jesus burst on the scene. The word was made flesh and he's coming to undo the separation. Our next take home truth is Jesus became flesh to undo our separation from him. This is the purpose of everything. This giant cosmic event, like news stations couldn't even cover it, is so big. God becomes man to be with you. How do we respond to that? How how do we respond to the fact that we're separated and he did all of this just to provide us a way to not be separated from him anymore? If your response is like, meh, sounds kind of cool. Well, I never knew that. I learned something today. You're still missing the point. You're missing how awesome this is and what God did. Your, your view of God and who he is and what he did is too low. If we walk out here after f- confronting this truth in the Bible, just going, I wonder what we're going to have for lunch today. It should change who we are every single day. But John, John was prepared. Uh, John was prepared for the, I don't know if I believe that. I don't know if it's really that big of a deal. 
That's kind of a cool story, John. He was prepared for that, so he, he, can, he continues on. Read with me one, one more time in John 1, 14. So, and the Word was made flesh. Jesus comes to be with us, and He dwelt among us. He comes to be close to us. And we beheld His glory, the glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. That's a weird thing for Him to say. He said, we beheld His glory as the only begotten Son. What, what's He saying here? So he's saying, like, guys, I knew Jesus. He was here. I knew him. Yeah, that's a person. Like, that's not a very convincing argument. But that's not what he's saying. He's saying, I beheld his glory. I beheld something. I saw something about him that was not just Jesus walking around and preaching and teaching. I saw something. I saw him as the Son of God, the undeniable Son of God. And so what you're going to find is that there's a story in the Bible that John's looking at here where he sees the unmistakable awesomeness of God. This is, you don't have to turn here, but this is in Luke 9. This is recorded here. Listen to what happens, what John is referring to when he talks about seeing the glory of God. It says, And it came to pass about an eight days after these things, he, that's Jesus, Jesus took Peter and John and James and went up into the mountain to pray. And as he prayed, the fashion of his countenance was altered. That means that what he looked like changed. And his remnant was white and glistening. And behold, there talked with him two men, which were Moses and Elias, who appeared in glory and spake of his decrease, which he should accomplish at Jerusalem. But Peter and they that were with him were heavy with sleep. And when they were awake, they saw his glory. There's that word again. They saw his glory. And the two men that stood with him. And it came to pass as they departed from him, Peter said unto Jesus, Master, is it good for us to be here? And let us make three tabernacles, one for you, and one for Moses, and one for Elias, not knowing what he had said. While he thus spake, there came a cloud and overshadowed them. And they feared as they entered into the cloud. And there came a voice out of the cloud saying, This is my beloved son. Hear him. This story is often called, if you were to go look that in your Bible, it's often called the transfiguration. And it's so important. This is what John's talking to. He's going, look, I saw something I can't even explain. As a matter of fact, John doesn't record this story. And I think the reason he doesn't record it, I don't think he can do it justice. So it's recorded in the other three Gospels where, where Jesus is out there and he's just a man. He's a flesh. The Bible even says that he wasn't very handsome. He's just, he's just a, a regular person with long, greasy hair and a beard that probably need trimmed a little bit. And John is saying, well, hey, we were out here and we all took a nap. And when we woke up, Jesus wasn't a greasy-haired guy with a beard. Oh, there was something different about him. John describes it as we saw his glory. Peter records in another place, we saw his magnificence. There was something about him. And here's what happened. Is he transformed from flesh in front of their eyes to the Logos, to who he really is. And they saw who Jesus really was. Now, I think in, in reading, you get this imagery. And I don't think in this story we get the right imagery. It says, we saw him, and he was white and glistening. So we get, we get this picture of they wake up, and Jesus is sparkling like a shimmering sea. That's not what that word means. In Greek, the word that is used here means that he was flashing like lightning. What, what they saw of Jesus was he became, or he went from being a man to being covered in robes of lightning and flashing. And Peter was so in awe of this. He said, wow, this is amazing. And John was like, whoa, what happened? And James is over there. We don't even know what James says. He never even addresses it. But they see Jesus and he's talking to two people. And that's a special two people to be talking to. It's not like, hey, when, when we left church, Brown was talking to so-and-so and so-and-so. It's Moses and Elijah. Like, Moses has been dead for 2,000 years. 
one of the most prolific prophets of the Old Testament. Elijah never died. God came and got him in a chariot of fire about a, th about a thousand years before this, pretty close to it. And so when they see them, they're like, wow, there's something special about this Jesus. He's flashing like lightning. Another, another disciple in another place in the Bible says he was, his face was shining like the sun. And he's talking to two of the most well-known prophets in history. And Peter walks up to him and goes, Jesus, this is pretty awesome. I never knew how great you were before this. I saw your sparkling and your shining and your flashing light. I'm pretty sure that was Moses and Elijah. Here's what we should do. We need to build a temple for you right here and one for Elijah over here and one for Moses over here. So everybody will know that you were here with Elijah and Moses because that is big street cred when you can talk to two dead people or one dead person and one person who's been alive in heaven for a thousand years. And in that moment, Jesus doesn't even answer him. Here's what happens. Such an offense to God that this cloud begins to form around them. And the word here used in the gospel is overshadowed. This, this cloud becomes and begins to overshadow them. That word overshadow is used other places in the Bible, specifically when Mary uh, uh, became pregnant. It says the, uh, God overshadowed her. It's a picture of God the Father. It's a picture of his presence coming. And they're surrounded by this cloud. And out of this cloud comes this big voice like, this is my son. He is not like Moses. He is not like Elijah. He is not a regular person. He is not anything like them. This is God in the flesh. That's amazing. And John tells us that, and he points to that because he wants us to know. He wants us to know of the immense power of God. Our last take-home truth this morning is Jesus' power and glory is unimaginable. See, John's point is like, do you understand you understand what God did for you don't sit here and be church people this morning don't sit here and go I've heard this story before do you understand how great of a feat that God went through to be close to us that he wants us that bad and how does he use the power all of that power all of that majesty all of that glory he purposely comes here to be close to us and says I will let you murder me so that you can be with me forever. And that's exactly what we did, is, is we took Jesus, and he allowed us to hang him to a cross, and we watched that earthly broken body that contained all of that perfection, we watched that earthly broken body die. And they lowered it off of the cross, and they wiped the blood off of it, and they put it in the ground. That should have been the end of the story. But it wasn't just a human body. It was God in the flesh. And you can't kill God in the flesh. Three days later, Jesus walks out of there and he walks around for 40 days and he goes, I told you, I'm not normal. Look, look at the scars in my wrists. Look at the places where they stabbed me. You can't kill me. I am God in the flesh. This flesh will not hold me down. And for 40 days, for 40 days, Jesus walks around showing himself to the world and then he ascends into heaven. They watch him, just watch him and go. And Jesus takes his place where he belongs, at the right hand of God the Father. Now, John didn't record what happened in the transfiguration, but he did record this. This is in Revelation chapter 1. Listen to this. This is about 60 years after Jesus leaves earth. Listen to what John says here. He says, I, John, the same John, who also am your brother and companion in tribulation and in the kingdom and in patience of Jesus Christ, was on the isle that is called Patmos for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. 
I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day and heard behind me a great voice as of a trumpet saying, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last. What thou seest write in a book and send it unto the seven churches which, which are in Asia, unto Ephesus and unto Smyrna and unto Pergamos and unto, unto, and unto Thyatira and, and, and unto Sardis and unto Philadelphia and unto Laodicea. And I turned, this is John speaking, and I turned to see the voice that spake with me. And being turned, I saw seven golden candlesticks. And in the midst of the seven candlesticks, one like unto the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to his foot, and girt about the paps with a golden girdle. His head and his hairs were as white like wool, as white as snow. And his eyes were as a flame of fire. And his feet like unto fine brass, as they burn in the furnace. And his voice the sound of many waters. And he had in his right hand seven stars, and out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword, and his countenance was like the sun shines in his strength. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. And he laid his right hand on me, saying unto me, Fear not, I am the first and the last. I am he that lives and who was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And I have the keys of hell and death. Listen, one of these days, this is what John sees. John, again, for a second time, gets to see Jesus as he really is. He gets to see who Jesus is sitting at the right hand of the Father, who Jesus is after the ascension. And listen, this is something important for all of us. Every person in this room will come face to face with Jesus looking just like this. The Bible says this, the Bible says this, that one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess because we will stand before him and there will be no seeing him as a teacher or as a good man or a fictional character. We will have no choice but to see him as God because we will see him in all of his brilliance and all of his glory. Every person will see him like that. And this meeting is going to go one of two ways for me and you. Some people will fall at his feet and they're going to look up at him and go, you really are God. I heard of you. There is no denying. There is no Allah. There is no Buddha. There is nobody. You are God. And every knee bends and every tongue confesses. And Jesus is going to say the saddest words anybody will ever hear. Depart from me, for I never knew you. Don't miss what Jesus is saying there. He didn't say, depart from me. You didn't go to church enough. Should put a little bit more in that offering plate. Jesus is saying to us, I made myself available to know you personally. And you wasted your time with religion or chasing the things of this world, but I never knew you. And he's going to depart from us. But if we do know him, what we're told is a, is a completely different meeting. I love what Jesus does here. John sees Jesus. He's so frightened. He falls down at his feet. And you, and you see Jesus. And he reaches down. And what does he say? He puts his right hand on John and says, hey, don't be scared. I'm, I'm the one who was alive and now dead. He, he identifies him. What's he saying? He's saying, John, it's me. You know me. You were there with me. John, you don't have to be scared of me. And for those of us that are in Christ and know him, we can walk into heaven and we will see God and we will collapse at his feet. And he's going to say, I know you. Well done, my good and faithful servant. And we will get to spend all of eternity with him. Your view of God determines your response to God. This morning, I can't put it any more clear in my words how great God is and how much he loves you. 
And if you don't know him, he is calling you today. I made myself available for you and to you. And all we have to do, if our musicians want to come, all we have to do is accept that in faith and call out to him and say, God, I believe you are who you say you are. And for that reason, I believe I am who you say I am, that I am a sinner and that I need a savior. Today, if you don't have that, you can walk out of here. Your eternity can change in an instant. You can go from depart from me, I never knew you, to well done, my good and faithful servant. All it takes is placing your faith in Christ. Don't leave here again today. I believe. I believe when you get there, there's not going to be any excuses. Didn't know, messed up, sorry, can I have a do-over? Jesus is going to point you to this moment and said, you knew my word opened up to you and I told you I was available to you and you walked away. Don't walk away today. Let's stand and worship this morning.